0: Um, Let me pray and then we're going to jump into week four of our Guide Rails uh, sermon series. Would you join me? God, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to worship together and to listen for your voice. We are not interested in what I have to say. We are interested in what you have to say and what your word has for us this morning. We want to hear from you and see the areas of our life we maybe need to grow or connect deeper with you in. So we just ask that you'd speak to us this morning, that you would give those who need encouragement, encouragement, those who are looking for strength, strength, that you would even give correction to those of us who need correction. We thank you so much that you always do that from your love, which never fails. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are in this series called God Rails. It's an important series. It's a combination of two things. Guide posts and guardrails, both of those things are very important. Guide posts show you the direction you're supposed to go, and guide rails keep you from running off the road. These are important for churches, and they're important for individuals. It's important for us as a church to know what direction we are headed in, following God's vision for us, and it's important for us to know as individuals what direction God has for us and kind of the guardrails that need to keep us on the road, because we all know what it's like to mess things up to lose our direction to make decisions that run us off the road we all know what that's like and so Guide rails are super important to life and to the life of this church. And so we've been hitting both of these things and talking about how these are values and important to us, but also how they could be values and important to you. And week one, the most important week, I'm going to repeat these until we get them ingrained. These aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Week one is Jesus is center. Has to be. Everything else revolves around that. Everything else falls into place when you get that part right. When Jesus is the center of the church, when Jesus is the center of your life, everything else is where it should be. You were not designed to be the center of your life. A preacher was not designed to be the center of the church. The center is supposed to be Jesus. Our priorities start there. Week number two, we talked about how people are second. People are not first, they're second. People are above all else and below Jesus. And we wanted to talk about like how to elevate people above things. When we treat people like they're less important than things or programs or all of that stuff. We're just setting up more hurt in people's lives. People are second. You're more important to us than programs. You're more important to us than stuff we do as a church. Our job is to care for you, to be there for you, to help you spiritually, to guide you spiritually, to lift you up when you fall down, to show you grace when you need it. People are second. And then last week we compared contrasting cultures. We are immersed in, not by choice, it's just all around us, it seeps into every area of our lives, a culture of commercialism. What a culture of commercialism says is it says that People's value is based upon what you, they do for you. Something's value is based upon what you get out of it. And This is such a thick culture that it seeps into every aspect of our lives. It seeps into church. When we think church is about what I get out of it, what it does to me, how I feel, whether I like that song or not, whether I like that outfit or not, you know, like, Consumer, that what contrasts the culture of consumerism is the kingdom of Jesus. And we say it this way in our guide rail. We say we kick in instead of eat up. We are, as Jesus followers, called to be contributors to the world around us. To be salt and to be light to the world Around us. And so, as we follow Jesus, as you attend here, our hope is that you'll agree with us in this. We want to leave every room having added to it, not just taken. We want to add to every relationship. We want to add to every friendship. We want to add to every workspace. We don't want to be consumers, we want to be contributors toward what God is doing in our world and in our relationships. And I don't know what gifts you have, how God's gifted you, but I do know this. He has gifted you. And if your gift is to encourage people, then leave every room having encouraged more than you have taken. I don't know what your gift is. It's fun to discover that. Um, And that's a journey that we'd love to help you with. But this week we're talking about number four in our guide rails. And this one is a paradox that is important to us as a church. And I think it should be important to you in your life. And the paradox is this we get big and stay small. <laughs> we get big and stay small. This is about intentional growth and connection. And in a little bit, we're gonna look at Acts chapter 2 to talk about how this played out in the early church. But before I get that, I just wanna say that this paradox of big and small. Is something that you need. It's something that I need. Big dreams and small steps. I don't know if you've ever heard of these two brothers, Wilbur and Orville Wright. By the way, they really knew how to name people in the late 19th century. And all of a sudden, I also want popcorn, because I know his last name is not Redenbacher, but Orville just seems to go with Redenbacher. Like, they knew how to name some people. I want to go hang out with some Wilbers and I want to hang out with some Orville's, and somehow I think in my mind that's going to end up with some really fantastic fried chicken. I don't know if it will. I don't know where that comes from. It's just how I associate all this together. Wilbur and Orville Wright, the two brothers who invented flight, discovered uh, flight. Now, these guys, they dreamed really big. This was like in the era where Somebody uh, was talking with Henry Ford, and he said, if I asked what people wanted, they would have said, faster horses. So I made a car. <laughs> like th- This is hard for us to imagine because our biggest issue with flight is whether we get free peanuts or not. That's what we're thinking about. It, we've lost the kind of like huge, big, kind of God-sized dream of people flying through the air to get from one destination to another. But back in this day, this was unimaginable to be able to fly. Their big dream was to create a flying machine, what we now call planes, and to take that flying machine, stick a pilot in it. They didn't even have the name pilot yet for a controlled, sustained flight a flight you can steer, and a flight that doesn't just get pushed off the side of a building and nosedives into the ground. Controlled, sustained flight. This was absolutely incredible in their day and age. Just kind of thinking. People probably thought they were crazy to dream this big. They had a problem to overcome, though, a challenge. Because God will give you big, God-sized dreams, But that does not mean that the road to experience those dreams is always smooth. There are always challenges that we got to get by to experience what God has for us. And those challenges, they grow us, they stretch us, and they deepen our faith. For good old Wilbur and Orville, they had zero engineering training. They should not, they're not the two guys you pick. It'd be like you picking your crazy uncles at Thanksgiving and saying, hey, go design a plane. They didn't have any training. So what they did to accomplish their big dream is they did a bunch of really small stuff, meticulously small. They studied birds. They flew kites. They watched how the wind would move the kites and what would cause kites to drop or what would cause kites to rise and how they could pull on kite strings to change direction and move. And they graduated from kites to gliders, and then eventually found the plane. Little steps, small, big dreams. It reminds me of Proverbs twenty nine nineteen. Our Connection Care pastor is going to be thrilled about this because I'm about to bust out King James Version, his favorite version. And uh, he's here, as you can tell. I'm going to read this to you in two versions because I think it captures the, the heart of this verse really good. Proverbs 29, 18 says this in the King James Version. Where there is no vision, really big thing, the people perish. But happy is he who keeps the law, little steps. The New Living Translation puts it like this. When people do not accept divine guidance, big thing. God's direction for you, his purpose for you, his guidance for your life, that's a big deal. That's a big thing. Where people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law, small steps is joyful. See, big and small is something that we need to embrace in our lives. And there are people who are only thinking about the big stuff. They want to have the big dreams. They want to experience the big dreams, but they never want to put in the work. And then you have people that are stuck putting in the work. They get caught up in the grind, and they never dream about what God could do with their lives, what well, maybe God has for them. It takes both, and it takes intentionality, big dreams, small steps. Have a dream. Do the work. God-sized dreams, human, bite-sized steps. In our church, this is expressed through our vision. We were really asking early on in this whole ordeal, why are we even a church? Why should we even continue as a church? At that time, our congregation was aging. There wasn't a whole lot of, Young families or people and numbers were declining. It was hard to figure out what direction God was taking us in. And so for a long time, actually for years, I was, we were asking why? What, why should we not just close our doors and all pack up and go to some of the other great churches in the county? There's other churches teaching the Bible so other churches worshiping the real and right Jesus. Why us? As we started to think about this, man, we really started to look at who God had made us to be. And this far precedes me, and it'll go on long after I'm gone. Our DNA is this is a place where you are loved. That's just something that God has placed in this church from the earliest stories I have heard from like 1907 about this church. Did you know it was that old? You probably had no idea it was that old. We like legit made a history documentary-like video about our denomination, that's how old it is. It said it right there on the screen, Cortona, Pennsylvania. I almost fell out of my chair when I saw it. (laughs) Part of our DNA was that this was a place where you were loved, it was always a place where People. It always will be a place where people were willing to set aside their personal preferences for the care of their neighbor, to reach their neighbor, to help their neighbor who wasn't a part of church. It's just part of who God was making us. And so we're asking this question. We're looking at who He made us to be. And then studies were coming out about the unchurched people and and people that had been dechurched or left church or walked away to church or never came to church and the statistics were staggering, only 30% of people, and this was like five years ago, I don't know what it is now, only 30% of people uh, uh, associate with a church. And do you know how loose that word association means? You could say I associate with a church if you attend every week, and you could say I associate with a church if you attend once a year. The connection was real low. The situation was dire. Not for the church, for people. And we looked at Schuylkill County, and if those stats apply to Schuylkill County, it meant, in 2016, it meant that 118,000 people were unaffiliated with the church in our county. 118,000 people, and this is where God started to birth a God-sized dream. What if we could reach the 118,000 people in our county who are unaffiliated with the church. I remember the first time that came out of my mouth. (laughs) Everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I got it. Because the whole time I was thinking, you're crazy. (laughs) It's a God-sized dream. Placed in front of us because there's a huge, God-sized need. And we started thinking about this big God-sized dream and how could he even, how, how do you even get there? That seems un- impossible. How do you reach 118K? Well, one of the things we thought of is you'd, you'd be visible, you just got to be visible in the county and in the community. People got to see you, and they got to hear the message that God is for them and that we are for them too. It's not everything, but it's a start. So let's start there. And How can you be visible? And then all of a sudden, online stuff started taking off. And all of a sudden, here, here were thousands of people hearing and seeing And then we started to go out into the community to serve them, to be visible. And we did things like One Day, and we do things like Shepherd Table, and we do soup kitchens, and we serve people wherever we can. And it was being visible, and that's how you reach it's small steps. We said, we can reach people by building healthy communities. Healthy communities like small groups or like campuses in different parts of our county. Small ways we could demonstrate healthy community in an unhealthy world. We said, maybe we could be a movement of people who because God loved us, we show kindness. What if everybody that came to church that was a part of Grace Free Church, it's not just this room, It's multiple services in different locations. What if everybody that was connected to this became part of a movement? What if you were part of a movement showing kindness to the people around you? You don't have to go overseas to make a difference. You can make a difference when you go home. You can make a difference tomorrow morning when you roll into work by being a part of a movement of people who, because they are loved by God, show kindness to others. And from that came the four fours because we wanted to be simple and how do you remember vision? Most of you don't remember it. We even, what we call the four fours. We're for Jesus. We are for Schuylkill County. We are for your friends and family who don't go to church and we are for you. We came up with a strategy to help people grow deeper. Come to church. Come to know Jesus. Grow in a group and go serve. Use your gifts to make an impact. You reach 118,000 people one person at a time. And all of a sudden, a God sized dream becomes really small because I know who that person is. And I can't reach them. But you can. That person is your son, your son-in-law, your daughter, your uncle, your crazy uncle. That one person is the person you're going to see first when you go into work tomorrow. One person is the person you're going to be texting Monday night as the Eagles trounce the Chiefs. <laughs> Revenge tour, 20, 2023. I know that one person. And every share, every post, every comment on somebody else's post, every smile in the parking lot, every bag carried at from the grocery store to someone else's car, every time you help somebody pick up the pieces, every encouraging word spoken into an uncertain circumstance, every time you show up for somebody when they didn't think anyone would show up for them, every time one Person is being reached in that 118,000 people. What about you? What's the God sized dream that God has placed in your heart? What's the dream He has placed in your heart for your family, for your business, for your work, for your relationships? And what are the small steps you could start to take today to be faithful in following Him? There's a Grace Free Church in Tremont, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've ever been to Tremont. It's an awesome little town full of really hardworking blue collar people, my kind of people. I grew up in Cresona. Tremont is my kind of people. Hardworking, up against it, in the grind. Things are not easy in Tremont. They're difficult. Every day it's uphill plowing for most of the people in Tremont. You know why there's a church in Tremont? It's God because of God. But God placed a God-sized dream in Ryan Fosnock's heart about his old hometown, Tremont. I was at a little kid's soccer game and we were watching our daughters play. And Ryan, we were friends at that time. He did not come to church here. He went to another church, but we were friends. And because I'm a pastor, people always think they can just talk to me about church. Like, that's all I want to talk about. I just want to talk about church all the time. Newsflash, sometimes I get really sick of talking about church. (laughs) He leaned over to me and he said, you know, man, I don't think I'm going to stay at this church I'm in forever. I said, really? Really? I thought he was going to say, I'm going to try your church one time and see how boring you are. (laughs) That's what I thought he was going to say. He didn't, though. He looked at me and said, someday I'm going to plant a church in Tremont. I said, why? He said, I love Tremont. I love the people there. I grew up there. I know what it's like. And it really needs help. A God-sized dream. I thought he was crazy. No seminary student would ever come out of training and decide to plant a church in Tremont, Pennsylvania. Then again, nobody would ever decide to plant one in Cresona either. But that dream, he started talking about that dream with some friends from Tremont who all were from different churches and who all started to dream with him about the possibility of that At the same time, God had planted this dream in our heart to reach 118,000 people and long before we thought of Tremont and before I ever talked with Ryan, we had this, how do you reach? You reach by being a healthy community in their community, not just asking everybody to come here, God had this dream and he took these two dreams and he mashed them together. And all of a sudden, he started to lay out small steps for Ryan and lay out small steps for us. And then next thing you know, we were taking small steps together. And then, next thing you know, some Jehovah's Witnesses, because Ryan used to be a Jehovah's Witness before he met the real Jesus, he, he showed up at his house to convert him. And the conversation ended like, okay, the con- converting didn't work, but Also, our building is for sale if you know anybody. At the same time, as that was going down, God was destroying our plan to move this church to Pottsville into this beautiful, exciting location. It just, some doctors swooped in and took the lease right from out from under us. The pandemic hit, and next thing you know, small step, small step, small step. And in the middle of a pandemic, a God sized dream was realized as a campus was planted in Tremont, Pennsylvania. What's your dream? What's the God-sized dream for you? By the way, we didn't call it done after that. He's still brewing some dreams in us. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is, sorry I'm taking so long, I'm going to, Pick it up here. Verse four says this. It's called the day of Pentecost and some really cool stuff's happening. I, I don't, we can't get caught up in all of it, but like I, I got something for you. It says all of them, talking about the disciples, were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. There's a bunch of people around Jewish people from different countries, from all over the place. It lists them there. You can read them. I'm not going to read them in this chapter. You can read them on your own. Like, they're speaking in their own language. They're, they're speaking in the languages of all the people, not having been trained, not knowing it, right? Like, it, it, it's a loving thing to learn someone else's language. It's a very loving thing to be able to communicate with their, that's why I know, right, like, donde esta el baño? She, like, where's the bathroom? That's important for me and important for them. Right? Like it's it's a loving thing to be able to learn, like to speak somebody else's language. They, they weren't like learning to speak someone else's language because they loved them. God loved them and gave them the language to speak. That's how important this moment was to God. They were staying in Jerusalem and God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language. It's so beautiful. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is each one of us hearing them in our own native language? My friend Cedric Brown calls it their heart language. I love that picture. They were hearing the message of God in their heart language. It goes on a list where they're from. And it says in verse 12, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? I love the start of this because you have here this curious group of people that are gathered around because they heard and they saw something that piqued their curiosity. What about your life and what about this church can be seen and heard that piques people's curiosity? When they are curious, they will gather around, and the question they ask is the question your friends will ask What does this mean for me? What can they see in your marriage and your home and how you raise your kid and how you teach your classroom and how you treat your employees and how you run your business and how you care for people and how you take care of your widowed neighbor? What can they see that will pique the curiosity of the people that are stuck in a culture that is just going downhill fast? Would they see anything? What gift has God given you that would pique the curiosity of those who are desperately searching for hope. Amen. They gather around, they're curious, and Peter preaches the best sermon ever. It goes from 14 all the way like through almost to the end of the chapter. You should read it. It's all about Jesus. It is a beautiful, amazing Sermon. He preaches this good news. It's not no news. It's not bad news. It's not me news. And we have to keep that garbage out of the church. This is not about me news. It's not about Josh Ott news. It shouldn't be about what my opinions are, what I want to say about the world. It shouldn't be me news. And it should not be no news. And too often kids roll into church and it's boring and they never want to go back because it's not news. It's not relevant to their lives. It makes no sense. It's spoken not in their language. It's spoken like they can't even understand it. And by the way, I know I say things that maybe make some old saints like raise an eyebrow or two once in a while. But I am desperately trying to be Paul in Athens and speak the language of the culture we are in. Like walk around and say, I'll I'll talk to you about what's going on in your life and how you talk about your life. And see this God you have set up that says unknown God? I think I know who that is. Can I tell you about him? He preaches this absolutely amazing, beautiful message. It's not no news. It's not bad news. It's good news. And it's summed up in Acts chapter 2 at the end. They People heard it and they were cut to the heart. Their heartstrings were being plucked. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, What shall we do? Like, what are we supposed to do? This is so good. What do we do now? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. That word repent, it means to, it's not about like a nun smacking you on the knuckles with a ruler. It's not about that. It's, It's not about, it's about turning from one direction into another. It's about turning from my path, from my sin, from my plan, from my agenda towards God's and saying, okay, I get it. I'm turning from my way. I'm turning to God's way. Repent and be baptized. And then this, this should sound familiar. If you know who we are, if you've been here for a minute, this should sound really familiar. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This, the promise, is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. God is for you. He's for your children. He's for your friends and family members who are far off. What are you for? What is your life for? Our church wants to be for these things. If it continues on and it says that After the message, 3,000 people were baptized and gave their lives to Christ that day. How amazing is that? 3,000. Something that everybody would have said they were crazy if they thought that was going to happen that day. That's the thing. When it comes to God, stuff that seems crazy for us is pretty small to him. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Big, big conversion, big message, big response, big impact in their community. And then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Small. And everyone was filled with awe that many wondrous Wonders and signs were performed by the apostles, big and small, reach and deep. If you want to go far, you have to start reaching for the God sized dreams he plants in your heart. If you want to go far, you can't just reach for the God sized dreams. You have to go deep to. And the context here for going deeper, the context for growth is relationships. It's a difficult thing in church because on a Sunday morning, you probably said hi to five people and then you'll sneak out of here pretty quick because we all want to get to lunch. That's not a relationship. Growth happens in the context of relationships. And so for a church, what we do is we try to construct the right stuff to help provide a context for relationships if you want to grow. And that context for relationships is called our groups You can find groups in your bulletin. You can find more about groups on our website to get connected. If you want to go far, you have to reach for the God-sized dream. If you want to go far, you have to go deep and learn more about him in the context of your relationships with other people. And if you're not going to go deep here or in a group, you better go deep in a relationship with someone else who is loving and following Jesus and wanting to grow in their relationship too. It's the context for growth. We need big. And we need small. We should not despise either. As a church, we are committed to both. Growing big... And reaching for the God-sized dreams he plants for us. And being faithful in the really little things because that's how you move forward. And my prayer for you is that you would start to dream again. Not your own dreams. It's never too late in life to start seeking the dreams God would have you accomplish. And then just be faithful in the little stuff. And you will be able to stand in awe of what he does. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word, for Jesus, for the good news that you are for us, that you sent your son for us, that he died for us, that he rose again for us so that we could be made right in relationship with you. Incredible news, free, accepted through faith, experienced by grace. We're so thankful for Jesus. Help us as a church keep reaching. We're not done yet. You have big things for your people. Your kingdom will expand. We don't want to be on the sidelines. We don't want to miss out. We want to lead the way. So help us to keep reaching. And help us to stay faithful in the small stuff. That's how the story unfolds. Help us to deepen our relationship with you. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.